0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mindfully Resilient Podcast. I'm your host, coach, and friend, Joseph Serfati. Yes, I'm your friend. I want to inspire you. I want to lift you up. I want to give you hope. I want to fill your heart with courage. I want to guide you. I want to be your lighthouse. I want to be there for you. I mean, isn't that what friends do? So I'm your friend. And if you've been listening to the show since the beginning, you know my journey of growth is influenced by the desire to strengthen resilience, strengthen my own resilience. And if you didn't know that, then the title of the podcast show may have hinted that. (laughs) I'm drawn to those who walk a similar journey, those who help others through teaching and sharing their experiences now that is why oh man I'm so excited I'm I'm beyond thrilled couldn't imagine I'm beyond thrilled to bring you today's amazing episode and introduce you to a most inspirational guest who is a true example of what it is to be resilient. Dan Giancola played as a place kicker in the CFL, the Canadian Football League, from 1999 to 2009. Won the Grey Cup with the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts, and played in the NFL with the Buffalo Bills in 2000. He is also a personal trainer, fellow Liebert Fitness Ambassador, and owner and CEO of BTO Performance, through which he has influenced countless lives in his community of Thorold, Ontario. Dan is also a motivational speaker, a big advocate for mental health, and the organizer of Give the Boot to PTSD, a successful fundraising event in support of mental health initiatives. I've known Dan for quite some time now, and I know he will always be open and honest with his feelings. He will always pour out the feelings from his heart in an effort to inspire, to be a role model for those around him. You know, we tend to throw around the term brother or sister as a descriptor of friendship quite a bit. But let me tell you, he's definitely someone who feels like family. And I, th- I know those of you who are listening right now who know Dan are smiling in agreement. If you're at a stage of your life right now where you feel like throwing in the towel, like giving up. And especially now, we're recording this in April of 2021. In my province of Ontario, we're going through our, I don't know, maybe third, fourth, I don't even know, whatever lockdown. And businesses, people are really feeling it this time. Mental health is being hit hard. But let me tell you, this episode is for you. If you're feeling that way, if you're feeling this, the feeling, if you have the feelings of despair, this episode is a must listen. By the end, you will be filled with hope after listening to Dan's incredible stories of perseverance. And let me tell you, his, his stories will make your jaw drop and will make you feel that hope. Feel like you can overcome the challenges. Feel like you can use the challenges to your advantage. Now, get ready, my friend. Get ready to feel the warmth in your heart. Like I said, this this episode has been a long time coming. I'm so excited for it. So without further delay, let's check out my conversation with Dan Giancola. Okay, so let's get started. So Dan, thank you very much for joining us today. Friends, this is an exciting day because I'm sitting down with Dan Giancola, champion place kicker, CFL place kicker, and BTO performance fit owner, fitness coach, all around nice guy. And seriously, if you <laughs> haven't met him yet, you'll be happy you did today, <laughs> for sure. Dan, thank you for very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Joseph, man. You know, what? it's been a long time coming in and I'm honored to be here. I've been watching a lot of great things you've been doing with some great people. So thank you for having me. Uh,
0: You know, what? the honor is all mine. And seriously, I mean, I remember, I don't know if you remember this. When we met, we met back in 2016 at the Liebert Fitness Master Trainer Summit. Toronto Toronto. Summit. Oh,
1: man. You remember that? Uh, you, You know what? I'll tell you something. I do because... Um, in the fitness industry, it was really the very first major, uh, conference thing that I went to and just becoming friends with, uh, Mark Liebert at that time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, I remember that. That was, uh, it was a hell of an experience and met some great people, man. That, that was, that was amazing. Yeah. Like I
0: saw you, I saw you in the corner for a little bit. I think it was the last day. It's when we're doing the Sergeant Ken's, uh, programming. And yeah. You were there, and I see you just standing there with a Liebert, the LeBoot, or a T-shirt. And yeah. I was like, I'm like, I'm gonna chow. You know, I say that. I see this guy. I don't know who you are. And I'm like, and i like, and and just you, you just had this this character, this nature, where it's like, you knew you you're you were, you were able to connect. I was able, I knew I was able to connect with you and build that rapport. Um, and later down the years, I'm th- I'm thankful that we were able to stay connected because yeah. What you have to share, and when it comes to mental health as well and resilience, dude, you have a lot of lessons. And and I'm excited to talk about, what, like in today's conversation, some great uh, life lessons uh, yeah. to help others uh, persevere, give them a hope, you know. Uh, I
1: appreciate of- that, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been, uh, it's been a very, uh, not only challenging life, you know, but at the same time, this past year has been insane. So yeah, extremely challenging, man
0: yeah, now we're gonna get into details. so so listeners, I know you're looking forward to wondering what did he what is he talking about in terms of challenging? I know we've all had. the world has all we all have had a challenging twelve months, but uh, since the start of the pandemic. But Dan has uh, some amazing stories and lot and like these challenges, obstacles he had to overcome, ride the wave, not to ride the wave, but overcome big crashing waves on the side of his ship. Uh, through the dark seas that we're traveling right now. And you will be inspired by by the end of all this. Now, Dan. Yeah. This show is called the Mindfully Resilient Podcast. Yeah. I talk about resilience. People who listen to the show, people who know me, know that my, I would say my life's theme revolves around resilience because I think that's how my life turned around uh, when I first met Sergeant Ken. Now, what does resilience mean to you?
1: You know, man, uh, resilience, if I had to really sum it up, honestly, at the end of the day, it's it's about no matter how bad it is, no matter what life throws at you, that tomorrow is a new day. You're entitled to feel the way you want to today, but tomorrow is a new day and we get up and we meet that challenge again. And, you know, you may get times where you know, every day is a challenge. You might get a string of like ten days in a row where, man, I keep getting knocked down. I keep getting knocked on my butt. And, but you get up every day. Every day you meet that challenge because life is so short. And resilience to me is about not giving up. That's I mean, if somebody came up to me and they said to me, "Man, you're so resilient. What's the key to your success?" And honestly, I, if you if I were to sum it up, is I won't give I won't give in. I won't give up. I went when the day I give up is, well, it's the day that I'm six feet under and I can't do nothing Mm -hmm. about that. You know, so Joseph, I guess to sum it up, man, it's it's about not giving, not giving up. When you get knocked down, you get back up again.
0: That's right. You got to, and I think that's, that's well said, well put. And we got to take that step forward, no matter how small it is, as long as it's a step forward towards our vision, our growth and not letting, not not feeling defeated. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm amazed you have done some amazing things in the past year that demonstrate that as well. And bef- so before we get into some of the details of that, who is, I know we can, we- we- actually I did a Google search. I was curious. I found yeah. Dan Giancola Jr. Yeah. on Wikipedia. Yeah. Quick little bio, but beyond all that, yeah. beyond that, who is-, who is Dan beyond the business card?
1: You know what, man, Joseph, I mean, for me, if you to really get to know me. I'm just I'm really truly at the end of the day, I'm just a loving, giving guy. Uh, Mm -hmm. I love giving back to the community. That's something I love to do. I'm a family guy. Um, The way I was brought up as a young man and and Italian born and raised, you know, Canadian, but Italian born and raised and, um, you know, the European, I guess you could say European background kind of thing. You know, I grew up where, like, my most of my family, immediate family, is stateside, my mom's side. Oh, really? And yeah, she's from Niagara Falls, New York. I'm a dual citizen. I got my dual citizenship. A lot of people don't know that. And I remember as a kid, I mean, every Sunday, and my great grandfather used to always say, I don't care what you have to do. The grass has got to be cut. You've got to go grocery shopping. Uh, there's a hole in the roof. Whatever it is, every Sunday, we are sitting down at this table as a family. And I mean, we're talking, we're talking, we had 20 people over my great grandparents' house. We have one big long table, chairs. We'd have a kid's table. We used to always sit at the kid's table, with my brothers and uh, you know, cousins, whoever was there. And we just, we'd get together and it was all about family. Mm. And that's something that's resonated inside my heart. So to get to know me, if you want to know something about me, it all generates for me for family. I'm a family guy. I love being with family. That's, that's just me, man. And I try to portray that in my everyday life, in my fitness studio, uh, playing professional football for 10 years, uh, being in a family, uh, everything's kind of in that circle of, of family, you know, you create that.
0: Yeah. And I see that too. And I, I mean, I had the honor uh, of, and <laughs> to be uh, in one of your classes a couple of years ago, Suzanne yeah. and I were there and I, I was so on. I had a great time. We had, we didn't want to leave. I'll tell you that we didn't want to, leave. Didn't like
1: to leave. We were having, we were, we were having so much fun. It was great.
0: <laughs> yeah. But you know, sometimes when we go, we go there for our wedding anniversary yeah. uh, and every year we go to Niagara on the lake and it's just, it's like just quick, you know, just a, 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 us time because we don't have that. But I was like, Sue, we're going to be staying an extra few days. Let's go see Dan. I want to yes. see, <laughs> and even jo- even going around that water, you know, they had that canal and everything. That was like yeah. just getting there; it was beautiful. Yeah, and I jogged around there; it was wonderful. But what what I'm getting at is that I saw that connection. The people, even yeah. rolling up, we got there first, um, because uh, I've been ingrained with the mantra to be early is to be on time, to be on time yep. is to be late,
1: <laughs> it's to be yep. forgotten. But
0: but I was there with, and then a few of your 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 I would say members show up yeah just welcoming welcoming yeah. and yeah. and just to see that connection and i think when it comes to fitness classes, i think as fitness professionals that's what we need to try to foster is that connection to uh leverage family because i think family at the end of the day is what helps us grow and become better people because we can't do it on our own absolutely and we have this connection and everybody understands each other yeah. Um, so, yeah, I must say that is um, and I think it does translate into every aspect of life when it comes to family.
1: Well, you know, man, it, it, plus it, it starts from the top. It starts yeah. from the top. So, I mean, in this situation, in this studio, um, I had to set the bar. I had to set the example. And one of the things that I take, if you know, you can say anything you want about me. You can you can say I'm the worst trainer in the world. You can say you, you can trash talk me and, you know, any way you want. But the one thing that I take a lot of pride in, if not all my pride, is we have created an atmosphere at BTO Performance. And again, I'm not making it about my studio, but we have created we have created that atmosphere here, welcoming, family, motivating, supportive. And in order for that to happen, I had to create that. I had to set the bar. I had to set the example. So when people are coming in, you know, for the first time, you know, it's not like okay, well you know, go to the back of the class and just follow, you know, follow as we go. You know, Mm -hmm. I always tell them, come to the front, be up here with me, be in the front with me so I can give you the attention that you need and the proper form, the proper technique, you know, support you. And, but one of the things, like you said, that you do see is when people walk through those doors, the first thing, hey, you're new. Hey, how are you? And and I heard you, I can hear you and you're know, you telling everybody the story, you know, about how we first met. and We were in Toronto and everybody loved it because everybody does not a lot of people know that side of me and going places, you know, in the fitness industry, they know more of the football stuff. So, but that's what I'm very proud of man is to create that supportive family.
0: Yeah. And I find, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I haven't met many athletes of your caliber, uh, like very few, but it's you, it just created that family. You, you, and I said it, you just created that connection and you, it wasn't the footballer. It was Dan, the family man. And that's what it was. And dude, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. And, you know, speaking of BTO performance, man, I mean, you started as a, a, I mean, you, you started as a pro footballer at the age of 29, I think it was Yes,
1: 29. I was a rookie in
0: Toronto. Yeah. And you've, you've traveled back, you know, you've, you've been, uh, you went to Toronto, uh, BC and Ottawa, you were drafted by Ottawa as well. Right.
1: I start with a lot of people don't know is actually in 1998 before Toronto, I actually signed in Saskatchewan. Mm. A lot of people don't know that I actually signed in Saskatchewan. And what ended up happening was the kicker Paul McCallum was going to the world league. I don't remember what team, but he had left. And finally, after nine years of chasing my dream, I got the phone call to go. And to make a very long story short, uh, I was at the airport and I was getting ready to board a plane. And next thing I know, I get this, I, I, I over the intercom, I'm on the plane. My girlfriend, my wife now mm-hmm. was in the airport. It was like one of the, the Nicolas Cage movie. It was a Christmas movie with Tia something. I can't remember, but it was in the airport and it was snowing that day. It literally was snowing that day. And my, my, my girlfriend was standing at the window and I'm on the plane. Next thing you know, I hear passenger Dan and Could you please come to the front of the plane? So I walked to the front of the plane and I said, Hey, I said, I'm sorry. Like, did I do something wrong? And honestly, Joseph, I thought maybe, Oh my God, like, did I have something in my luggage that I shouldn't have had? Like, why are they asking me to get off the plane?
0: Yeah. i you'd freak out now if it happened now, this was back okay. then.
1: Like, Oh, especially now. Right. And back yeah. then you're like, oh, okay, well, so he said, well, no, Mr. Jincola, could you please go back out to boarding? I go walk out back to boarding and I hear the doors closing. I'm like, oh, my God, like I got to get on this plane. I got to go. I get to the to the boarding area and they said, Mr. Jincola, we hate to say this to you, but um, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had called and said that they no longer need your services. And if we could catch you before you get on the plane and leave, that you could just, you know, plane will leave. And I said, well, my luggage is on the plane. Well, we'll fly it there and we'll fly it back, but, um, they no longer need your service. And you want to talk about crushed. And I remember walking, my wife's going like this, you know, waving as the plane was leaving. And I said, Hey babe. And she turned around and she said, what are you doing? And I said, they no longer need my service. I'm crying in the airport. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so a lot of people don't know that story. They don't know that 98, I actually signed with, uh, with Saskatchewan. And then the following year I signed in Toronto in 1999. Oh,
0: so that's I mean, gosh, I that's that's heartbreaking.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, but that opened- was, I mean, you gotta appreciate I didn't go to college university. I went to 131 free agent camps over nine years. Um, you know, all the ridicule of you know being in my twenties and chasing a stupid dream. I mean. I heard everything, man. I heard, you know, you're, you're 28, 29 years old. You didn't ever play university football. Do you know the chances of you playing? You know, do you know how many people want that position, you know, from around the world? And, you know, la, 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 la. and You know, to finally get that opportunity after being just hammered for eight, nine years and all that negativity and you get that chance. And now the newspapers are doing all these articles. And I, I'll never forget the first article. It was, uh, have leg will travel, danger and cola going to greener pastures. Oh, gosh. So, have leg will travel, kicker, uh, greener pastures, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And next thing you know, man, the next day, you know, after that, I get home and everybody thought I was lying. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, you were going to Saskatchewan. Okay, buddy. And I got hammered that much more, you know, mm. and, People making fun of me and oh man, Joseph, you can do a whole, honestly, buddy, you could do a whole podcast, honestly, just on that story alone. You could. You I don't could. know, but
0: seriously, I'm already like thinking questions right now because this is, because it is a, serves as an example for many. And I kind of I led into this conversation about your career. I kind of want it's funny. I want to talk about the, the BTO performance. Then I linked into this and I want to stick with this. I want to stick with this because sure. it opens up a great conversation, a great lesson for a lot of people who feel like the doors have been slammed in their faces. Yeah, A lot of us face this uh, in some cases where we try, we make the efforts. In your case, a hundred plus like, uh, Uh, try out uh, try out camps and and then but it shows you that there are there is opportunity and things happen for a reason no matter how convoluted or how crazy it may seem because later down the road you played for toronto then you played for bc where you won a gray cup yep and then you know you got traded back and forth then you ended up in that last season playing with toronto uh and and then you played a game against Montreal, by the way. I'm, I'm you beat Montreal in that game, I think, and I'm kind yeah. of bummed about it. Yes, I am. <laughs> a Montreal fan, Alouettes fan. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: but uh, well, you know the the Anthony Cavier, the uh, yeah. days, right? Like, yeah. Now it's different, but it's you won, and you won. You were part of that two. Well, you're part of two championship teams. Yeah. And I think. If you, if things had, we don't know what would have happened, but you, if you had stayed with Saskatchewan, we're playing a what if scenario here, things probably would have been different. Yeah. And so this, you still worked your butt off because, and I noticed that, so tell me about that. So after that, you worked your butt off right after continue and push forward and persevere to be the, the, one of the top kickers in the league. You almost beat a record too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: By five points, know- I think it was.
1: It was, uh, okay, first I'll say this to you. I'll put this to you first, just so. Um, if you want to stick to this part, we totally can. I'd be more than honored to come back. and We can talk about the other stuff later. So um, the football thing, obviously, for me, is, is what made me. I was known as the grocery mm. clerk turned pro. And, and you're right. You know, when you, when you look back in hindsight and say, you know, what if you would have did this or what if you would have did that? You know, my first year when I finally got the opportunity in Toronto, uh, I went 48 of 61 in field goals. Uh, I tied the league for the most field goal attempts. I tied the league for the most field goals made. Um, I was up for Canadian player of the year, rookie of the year and special teams player of the year. Now, for me, when I hear that now, now, now that I'm not playing anymore and I'm retired, when I look back on that now, I sit there and go, holy crap. I mean, when you think about it, I played minor league football for eight, nine years. You paid to play, you taped your number on your shirts. Um, you paid for your own gas, you drove to all your games. You know, 131 free agent camps in nine years. When I look at that now, I, I look at it one, two ways. There's somebody who really was, wow, this person wanted this thing and was not going to stop until they got it. Or this this guy's just nuts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you
1: know, the crazy part is you need a little from column A and column B. You got to have that sick drive. You got to have that focus and determination. And when I first started in my first year, when people started coming up to me and saying to me, dude, why are you not playing pro? Where did you play university football? And I had to say to them, I didn't play university football. A light came on upstairs and it was like, well, in order to do this, if nobody's gonna look at me because I didn't play university football because you have to come from the football factory, then the only thing I could do is play minor league football, get some game film and get a resume and put it together. And then what I would do, and you got to appreciate too, we're doing a podcast right now. In my time, there was none of this stuff. You had VHS tapes, you had your VCR, your VHS tapes, you got your videos, you had to put them all on a tapes. I had to buy anywhere from 35 to 50 tapes, depending on, you had the Arena League, you had the World League, you had the CFL, you had the NFL. You're looking at 50, 60, 70 VCR tapes, right? Then you had to make these phone calls. Well, there's not all this unlimited phone and all that stuff that they have now. You know, you can call all over Canada and US for $29.95. My phone bills were 4 four fifty a month, a month because I'm calling Dallas. Hey, guys, did you happen to get my videotape? I sent it to you, right? Cincinnati, Florida. You know, wherever it was, you know, and so you had the cost of the VHS tapes, you had the cost of that, of of making the phone calls and the phone bills, then the boot, you're traveling all over Canada in your car, you're traveling all over the US in your car, because you're going to all these free agent camps, now you're spending 60 to to $100 in in, uh, tryout fees because to go to a free agent camp, and you can go if you want to. I can go. <laughs> Your wife can go if she wanted to. You know, you, you got six. Now it's $100. Back in the day, it's 60 bucks, And you would step on the field and maybe 500 guys on the field. And a lot of these guys were just guys that they were like armchair quarterbacks. Like the tie cats. You know how many guys I met that worked in a factory? They had, and I mean this in the most respectful way, they had zero talent. But their passion and love for the Hamilton Tiger Cats and to be on the field and they see some of the professional football players and the coaches around the field and CH is there with the camera and they're shooting videos and, you know, it's it's a thrill. But then you had people like me where it was like, man, how do I stand out in 500 people? Mm -hmm. And I was blessed in 131 free agent camps. I went number one 130 times. And 130 times, the coach, the, the scouts, the agents would come up to me and be like, we loved you. Wow, like you kicked the lights out today, bro. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Listen, we're going to call you tomorrow. We want to get all your information down. Where did you play college football? Uh, yeah, I, I went to Dennis Morris High School. And I played, sem- I played semi-pro in Buffalo with the Buffalo Gladiators. Yeah, but where did you play college football? Oh, I didn't. Joseph, I had 130 free agent camps. How many phone calls do you think I got the next day? Realistically, a number. How many phone calls? The way
0: you're asking me this question, I think I know, but I want to say like maybe five.
1: Not one, buddy. Mm. Not one. So you got to appreciate how this worked for me was real simple. You get your video, you play your season, minor league football, semi-pro. You put together a, a, a highlight tape, you write your resume, I went five for, four for five in field goals, just saying. You take that and now you send all the film out, you make all your phone calls, then you travel to all the free agent camps and then nobody calls you. You play another minor league season of football, you add more highlight tape, more resume, make all your phone calls and you travel. Nobody calls you and I did that for nine years. And finally, in 1998, when I got that phone call with Saskatchewan, and I was that close. On my way home, I said to my wife, I said, babe, do me a favor. Uh, I remember it was like, yes, give me one more year. If I don't do it this year, if it doesn't happen, then we'll get married. I'll take the course to be a store manager. Because I was very good friends with Mr. Camiso. I worked at Camiso's. In Mm -hmm. St. Catharines. I worked in a grocery store for five years. They were very supportive of me. I said, I'll do that. We'll get married and it'll be done. I'll just keep playing minor league football for fun. And then finally the next year, I'm in Cocoa Beach, Florida, trying out for an arena team where Kurt Warner played, the Iowa Barnstormers. Wow. Anybody who knows Kurt Warner. And uh, long story short, I was five seconds from making the team. I did a kickoff. And I blew my groin out in three spots. Oh. Tore my groin completely off. I get back to the hotel and my mom said, uh, your agent's been trying to call you all day. And again, making a real long story short. And I said, well, what's going on? She said, just call your agent. I called him on the phone. I said, Maurice, what's going on? He said, Danny, you're bleeding blue. I'm like, <laughs> dude, I'm not in the mood for this right now. I just tore my groin in three spots. You're, breeding blue. You're, you're bleeding blue, you're bleeding blue. We just signed you with the Toronto Argonauts. And I was like, I, I wanted to be happy, but I just tore my groin in three spots. So you and must I would only have been concerned. Yeah, I would only had three months to get ready. And uh, well, the rest was history. I went home, went to the Skydome, signed the contract. Um, in three months, by the grace of God, I was able to piece my groin together I didn't kick the football once until training camp the first day. Not once. And uh the rest was history, man. I mean, I got I can keep going. I don't want to just keep yapping. I want to answer whatever you want to ask me, but
0: hey, like I said, like I said at the beginning, it's a conversation, man. We're just having coffee, beers, whatever it is. Yeah. And you know, it's but it's just it goes to show you that if it's it, you, you need the work. You need to put in yeah. the work, the effort and drive. If you give up, now you in general, you know, like if you have a dream and you want to achieve it and you give up, it means, okay, maybe it was important, but maybe it, was, it wasn't that important. But you, you push yourself, you tried, you saw like, you, yeah, there were some concerns with the growing, but you just kept on going. Yeah, and I, I think I don't know if I ever caught you in the game because I did catch the Montreal Alouettes game back earlier on. I don't know if it was in two thousand nine before uh, before you retired, but um, yeah, no, I wish I had like a, 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 we'd known each other then. I'd be like, yes, <laughs> keep on Weird going. You
1: would have had tickets down at the field, buddy. <laughs> oh
0: man, I, I, I would have been I would have been your water boy for sure. Like, hey, oh <laughs> man, It was great. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, but, it, was, it was amazing.
0: Oh, Gosh, but so from there. From there, so after uh, retirement, winning the championships, yeah. uh, and by the way, for those of you listening right now, Dan has got some awesome still shots of him kicking uh, football behind him and one with the BC oh. Lions and one with the Argonauts. <laughs> I'm looking at them right now, and, and Toronto, the Toronto Argonauts. And, um, and, dude, it's, like, fantastic. Oh, there's another one. You have got some serious whoever. Like, I think, I think when it comes to a sports photography – Stills of a kicker, following through a, sh- a kick, is yeah. like one of the best shots. Like series, like just watching you. And now, but this led to creating opening what is now BTO Performance. Am I right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Now BTO, BTO Performance is your fitness studio in Thorold, Ontario. So I yeah. say an hour and a half away from Toronto, Ontario. Yeah, uh, roughly. Fantastic place, by the way, folks. If you're ever in the area. Check it out, BTO nah, Performance. It's 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 wonderful. You, you recently, well, in the past couple of years, you expanded, and you've put your heart, your soul, your sweat, other people's sweat into it.
1: Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> um, and even throughout the pandemic, demonstrated true resilience. It was rocky. I did follow your story uh, in the beginning when it came to that. But what I want to ask you, and when we met in, last time in person. Yeah. You said you had a story for another time to tell me what BTO meant. Be that one. Oh, wow. What? And so now do I do you want
1: to know I, the story or do you just want to know, I, I just need to know how much time we got. <laughs> I got,
0: I got, I got all day, man. I got all day. You go, whatever yeah. the time you got. It's, no, seriously. You, you okay. tell me what, what you feel, what you like? What do you feel Was is, is going to resonate with people? And don't hold back. It's, it's your, it's, you know, we're here. Share. Go for okay. it, man.
1: When I uh, when I do my motivational speaking, and uh, I really I, I'm so blessed because the last couple of years has been incredible. Kicking off the motivational speaking part and uh, BTO BTO performance, obviously that stands for be that one. Mm-hmm. Um, how the story goes that what I could do is I'll take you. It kind of falls in Joseph. We were just talking about because when I went to Saskatchewan and then I told you about coming home, you know. So the next day after I got off the plane, I had a chance to kind of, you know, un- take the suitcase, throw it on the floor, just kind of left it there. And so the next day I had school. Um, went to Niagara College for business, and that night I had I had semi-pro practice. I called the guys, called the coach. I said, "Hey, listen, I don't know if you filled the spot. I'm home. You're home." I'm home. He says, well, okay. I don't know what the hell's going on, but all right. Yeah. Come on out to practice tonight, man. Same as huge. And I'm like, okay, I come to practice and uh what I was really kind of hoping for was the guys would be there and be like, Hey, you know, gee, don't worry about it, man. You know, get your, kick your feet up. And, 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 and to, to, to a lot of guys, they did do that. You know, there's 55 guys on a team, semi-pro. There could be a hundred guys. Again, There's no rhyme or reason, right? I mean, it's just, it's a league. It's a league where anybody can go and play. You sign the guys up. And if you play, you play. And if you don't, you don't. And I remember that night, that practice. And I can't tell you the amount of guys just kind of looking at me with this. Yeah, okay, bro. You went to go play pro. Okay. But you had us all fooled. Okay, bro. Mm -hmm. It broke my heart. And we... We practice you just over the Fort Erie Peace Bridge, and there's the waterfront right there. And it's near with a, it's it's in the hood. It's it's in the kind of bad part of of town um, where we practice. And I remember that night. I remember just getting in the car, and I actually got lost, and it was a bad section of town. And I was I wasn't thinking, I was so distraught by the whole thing. Finally, I was able to make my way through. I was just panicked and I remember crying in the car. It was a mixture of fear. It was a mixture of what I just went through. I get in the car and instead of getting over the going over, I went over the bridge, did my thing, and instead of getting on the highway, I took the side road along the waterfront, parkway, home. And I remember literally crying all the way home, crying all the way home. I was like, wow, like I had this opportunity and I thought it was bad before. Now nobody believes me. I even had a chance that I was even going. And the crazy part was I had a contract right there. Contract Mm -hmm. was like right there. Yeah, I could have, I could have went to everybody and said, here you go. You can't make that up. And I didn't do it. I got home. When I got home, my dad was on the phone and he was talking to my cousin on the phone and going up the stairs and I can hear my dad saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. He uh, he's going upstairs right now. Just wait. So I went upstairs and all I wanted to do was call my girlfriend, let her know I was home. I wanted to kind of open up to her and talk to her and tell her what I was feeling. And uh, I remember going upstairs and I thought my dad was off the phone. It was really quiet. So I picked up the phone and he was still on the phone. And when I had picked it up, I had heard him and he had said, I love him. He's my son, but I'm worried about him. I'm worried about this, this dream. And it's, it's almost getting to the point where it's embarrassing because my dad worked at General Motors with my wife's dad, my future father-in-law. And I get it. Here's a 29-year-old, 28-year-old guy. And yeah, man, I mean, one day I want to marry your daughter and I want to be a professional football player, you know, <laughs> and I get it. I get it. I totally get it. And I get where my dad was coming from too, because I have a daughter and if, and she was dating a guy who was like that. And I knew the pain. I knew what I know what it takes to go through it. And I thought to myself, man, do I really want this for my daughter? Because I know the pain and struggle you go through. And I went home that night. I wasn't able to get on the phone with my, uh, with my girlfriend at the time. The next day I went to Niagara college. I went up in the mezzanine, skipped the whole day of school. Sat up in the mezzanine for the longest time. And I just sat there and, I just laying on my back and I felt like I wanted to work out. I wanted to get out this aggravation. I think I started working out about five o'clock when normally I would go home 5. PM. I ended up working out for five hours. It was 10 o'clock at night when I finished. Went downstairs and I saw the um, athletic coordinator. He was putting a poster up on the wall. He says, Hey Dan, you're here late. I says, yeah, just going to go take a quick shower. Said, yeah. Well, we're, we're good to 11 took a shower came back out and Joseph I don't know I don't know what made me do it but for some reason I wanted to see what the hell he was hanging up on that board it's a picture of a young man doing a layup basketball and it said one in a hundred imagine this now you're going back I don't know how many years one in a hundred thousand student athletes will ever play a professional sport. So stay in school. And that was the message. And I know when I go do my motivational speaking, I mean, that's, it's one of the greatest things to say to these kids. Cause they, you know, they see now a lot of guys getting right out of high school and going pro and, you know, forget about, you know, whatever. And, but when I read that it was like one in a hundred thousand student athletes, will ever play a professional sport. I'm not even a student athlete. So if it's one in a hundred thousand, what the, part of my English, what the hell are my chances? Somebody who has never played. And you, you talk about bad timing. I mean, now I just got released from, from Saskatchewan. I'm going back to school for really a subject I really didn't care about at the time, but I knew I had to do something. I dated a girl for eight years. I'm embarrassing the family. Nobody believes in, nobody believes me that I even was going to Saskatchewan. I grabbed the poster, I took it off the wall, I rolled it up, I put it in my bag, I looked around, and you know, I'm not proud to say it because I mean I stole it. <laughs> right guys <laughs> listen,
0: you're listening to this I,
1: I you did not, not hear what, anything i want him to watch your podcast i hope he's not <laughs> <laughs> i rolled up the poster i put it in my bag and i brought it home and i had this poster at the end of my bed my my wife had got it for me and it was titled determination it's not whether you get knocked down but rather if you get back up again so when you ask me about resilience, mm. that's where I get that from. So after every one of my free agent camps that I thought I was going to make it, oh, I'm so excited, the Buffalo Bills, I, I the workout was amazing, and I'm going to sign, and then nothing happened. I go home, I sit at the end of my bed, I would cry, and I would say this to myself every day. I'm entitled to feel the way I want today whether it's crying, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm happy, whatever. But tomorrow is a new day. So tomorrow means I got to get back on my feet again, no matter what. And I got to keep going. I remember pulling the poster out of my bag and I put it right up beside that poster, right up on the wall. And I remember sitting there saying to myself, Maybe it really is, maybe success and all these people that made it big, maybe it really is truly for just other people, special, like they're special, they have these gifts and it's just the way it's supposed to be. And I looked over at the poster and I saw the one in a hundred thousand student athletes will ever play a professional sport, stay in school. And I don't know what came over me it's the God honest truth. I don't know at the time. I mean, I'm a huge Bon Jovi fan (laughs) for some reason I thought to myself. So Bon Jovi, I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's got great talent, but there's a lot of great looking people out there. There's a lot of people with great talent. So why him? Why is he Bon Jovi? Like why, what makes I get it? And I thought, why not me? Like, why not me? Why can't I be the guy that's on the poster? You know, why can't I be that guy? Why does it always have to be somebody else? Why not me? I remember looking at both posters again. I walked over to the desk. I had my desk that dad, my dad made me for my homework. And I grabbed the marker. I grabbed the sharp. Oh, what are the chances? I grabbed the Sharpie. And I was sitting there looking. And for the last time, I read it one more time. And it said, why does um, one in 100,000 student athletes will ever play a professional sport? So stay in school. Joseph, I remember saying these exact words and this, this actually is my part of my, my clothing line and everything. I said to myself, why does it always have to be somebody else? Why not me? I opened my marker like this. I walked over to the poster and I put a big X through one in 100,000 and I wrote, be that one. Hmm. Those were the three most powerful words to this day that I have ever spoken in my life. I get choked up just now. I'm saying it to you because at that point, I swore to God that I was going to go as hard as I could. Until somebody gave me a chance. I wanted to be that one, the Bon Jovi, so to say, or, you know, the, the, the guy who made it big. And so when you ask me the story of Be That One, Joseph, that right there to the letter is the story of how Be That One became what it is. And then I, I took, uh, actually, it wasn't even me. It was a friend of mine. And he said to me, BTO, baby, BTO. And I'm like, what the hell's that?" He goes, <laughs> Be that one, be that one. Next thing you know, he made me a t-shirt. All it said was be that one on it. But now with my clothing line, the big X, with the be that one through it, um, that's just been my stamp, my trademark. So now when I go do my motivational speaking and I, and I tell my stories, what I just talked to you about, so many people, the last, the last group I spoke to, I think there was uh, 2,800 people there and they all wanted to hear that story but I gave him the whole, you know, the bigger version, you know, tying in, you know, the years of semi-pro and everything I went through. And then, then the success afterwards, you know what I mean? And the downfall, you know? So, but that's your, be that one story, brother.
0: Well, that's a, that's a beautiful story, man. I mean, it's once again, it's determination. Like you said, you're determined, you got to get back up. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I, I, there's so many things and we can even apply it to today. Like we, even in the past 12 months during the pandemic, a lot of us would be like, Oh, why me? Why me? But you didn't take that. Why me? You said, I'm going to go for it. Yeah. I'm unique. You know, it's, we are all unique. We all have our own, um, how would I put it? You know, gifts to offer gifts to share to the world. And when we know what they are, we go at it whatever length possible yeah. to do that. And, you know, just to have that mantra. Yeah. That's, it makes the whole of a, a whole world of a difference. And, and it serves as once again, that's a great example. That's why you're on the show. And that's why I wanted to have you and join me because <laughs> seriously your stories and it's amazing. And, it, and so you incorporate that in your coaching as well. So all that experience, what I'm at, from what I'm seeing, your journey has I, what I believe defined, you know, with the fan, you're fi- being a family man or being family oriented, then going to coaching and going into, um, you know, the, but obviously the football career, then the coaching, you just, you know, you create that and you make everybody feel like they are that one. Yeah. And I've seen stories. I've seen success stories. You have shared success stories with people who come in and say, Dan, I need to, I need to be able to walk up the stairs again. Without feeling yeah. out of breath, I need to do yeah. play with my grandkids, and you've transformed their lives. But you do it in a way where you give them the platform for themselves to to give them the play to be the quarterback. And, you know, if we want to yeah. talk about football in their lives and create wonders. Um, so you know, thank you for sharing that story, man. Like seriously, oh, when you're telling pleasure,
1: them, I'm like, I'm i love, I love telling that story.
0: I'm feeling warm inside, I'm feeling warm inside. And I, I mean, it's, uh, uh, and I could just picture it right now. And Seriously, uh, I, I said this to another person recently, but Netflix, if you're listening, this is a movie for you right now. This is. A, if anybody works for Netflix, listening to, to the show or Amazon Prime or Hulu, whoever, get in touch with Dan. Seriously, this story is wonderful. And it's, um, now you, we're gonna, I wanna go into something else I want to address. Sure. Yeah, because I, yeah. I kind of teased it at the beginning of the show. Yeah, no, we're talking about the pandemic. Um, I'm not talking about how you pivoted, and I know we, I, I, you know, it was hard adjusting. You had know, to shut down, heartbreaking, dude. When you shared a Facebook live of what had to go down, you had to shut the doors down because of the pandemic back in March and in April at the start of it, my heart was crying with you. Like seriously, yeah. I felt so bad, and and you know we're all going through the same thing. Yeah and but you managed to pivot create that online community uh find because you know find your ground find your footing in the in that online space as a fitness professional and you are succeeding you are doing amazing now we know things have opened up in Ontario a little bit so allowing us to go back in in person minimum capacity but still great to have that human contact we know what the power of human connection is like yeah right yeah you can After hours, months, days on, you know, days, months on on Zoom, you kind of have a stronger appreciation for in-person contact. Absolutely. But the one thing that stands out and it really shows again, once again, your resilience of it all is that what the listeners don't know about is that you and I were supposed to meet up last summer for a podcast episode. Yeah. We had set a time and I believe it was once again, uh, maybe a Wednesday Wednesday afternoon I'm there and I'm on, I'm in the zoom room and waiting for Dan, Dan, I'm waiting for you. And like, where's Dan? It's not like, and I know you would tell me, you would tell me straight up like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. I was concerned. I didn't know what was happening. So okay, maybe something happened. Maybe there was like something with the studio. I don't know. Yeah. But what I found out afterwards through Facebook and I told Susie this and we're like, Oh, it explains it explains a lot of things. And I'm like, yeah, is that you had I think what was a heart attack? Yeah. Or some sort of version of like I I don't know the exact medical term, I forget. Yeah. But you had something what you call the widowmaker. Widowmaker. Oh man. I'm I like, uh what was going through you your was, mind that day, man?
1: You know, oh I was doing online in March. I started doing online in March and um we were we were collecting surf and. Um, I, going back to what you said about closing the studio and. I remember that day and I remember, again, I was averaging anywhere from 30 to almost 50 people per class before we got shut down. And I remember the, the, the worry, the stress, the anxiety in everybody's face when they found out we were going to shut down. And I remember saying to my wife, I said, you know, everybody's been wanting me to do this online thing and I'm not techie or anything like that. I said, maybe what I'll do is I have close to 5,000 people on Facebook and I know people could do watch parties and this, that, and everything else. And I said, you know, I want to do this and I want to do it for free because I know our mental health is going to take a beating. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, um, It did. It started right away. A lot of people were messaging me and I I finally made the decision. I said, okay, guys, here's what we're going to do. Every morning, Monday to Friday, I'm going to be coming on at 1030 in the morning for a free one hour or half hour. I think it was a half half hour workout. Let's do this thing. It took off. When I say took off, took off. I was getting 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, I remember one class, I had like eight, 9,000 people. There was all these watch parties were happening and people were all like, hey, this guy's doing this thing for free, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up adding classes at night. So now I'm doing two a day for free. Hmm. May the 20th came and I was doing my online in the morning and it was about 10 to 11. I started 10.30, about 10 to 11. I started feeling sick, the flu. Like the flu, I wanted to throw up. I felt nauseous. I'm going, oh my God. And I remember saying, I got to get through this. 10 more minutes. I got to get through this. These people are already sweaty. I got so many people online right now. I got to get through this. Come to 11 o'clock, I did that. I usually do a little motivational talk. I minimized it. Went outside for a breath of fresh air. Next thing I know, one of my clients rolled up with her boyfriend on the bike. And I was 20 minutes outside having a conversation with them. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally, I went back, I came back inside and I felt sick, like I had to throw up, walked over to uh, the bathroom, to the toilet. and I dry heat for 10 minutes. And every time I dry heat, my back was getting more and more to the point where it felt like somebody had a knife in my back. So I, I know because I get a lot of gallbladder issues, some, not a lot, but when I do, I get that pain somewhere around a little off to the right then it radiates to the center of my back, my shoulder blades. And I'm nauseous. So I was chalking it up at the time to my gallbladder. When I ended up talking to media after my heart attack, one of the things I always said to the media was I grabbed the ball, uh, a medicine ball, and I put it down at the ground. And I told the media, I said, this was the best thing I ever did and the worst thing I ever did. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, Normally what I would do is i put the ball on the ground. I would roll out my back. So that's exactly what I did. So the worst thing that happened was the pain went from my back and shot right through my chest. And at that point now, if you had a 10 of un- 10 being un-, un you can't even put it into words, the pain, the threshold. Like, I mean, you, it was like 20 out of 10.
0: It was like a laser beam fly, like just. I'm
1: telling you, you've got a choice of putting a knife into my back, and I know it sounds horrible, putting a knife on my back and twisting it, or feeling that pain again, stick it in my back and twist it, because the pain was so excruciating. The best thing that happened out of that was, at that point, I knew I'm probably having a heart attack. So I shut everything down in the studio, called my wife and said, I'm not feeling well, I don't know what the heck's going on, hung up the phone. Started driving home, and I called my wife, and I said, babe, I think I'm having a heart attack. She said to me, working in a doctor's office, she said to me, well, what's going on? And I said, my back, my chest seems to be going into my arm now. She goes, get to the hospital now. Mm-hmm. Spun around in, in Thorold, drove to the St. Catherine Hospital into Emerge, and I get there, and they said to me, Mr. Jancola, we're on the clock. We have a window of about two hours. Didn't even know what that meant. I go, what are we on the clock for? They just did my ECG. Next thing you know, I had one nurse, one nurse. She did my blood pressure. I was 175 over hundred. I wasn't too concerned because at the end of the day, if you got anxiety, you know, something traumatic's happening, your blood pressure is going to be elevated. Yeah. She put me on the ECG. She tore that sheet off. She walked out. Calm, cool, collective, God bless her. When she walked back in that door, from that point on, it was chaos. We had nine people in the room, two were doctors, seven nurses, IV, 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 IV two aspirin, shot of nitro spray. Mr. Giancola, you're having an acute heart attack right now. We're going to fly you to Hamilton. Next thing you know, and you got to appreciate now, during the pandemic, mm. my wife and my daughter walk into the room. And that's when I knew it was bad because nobody was allowed in the hospital. They raced me to Hamilton, literally cutting my clothes off as we're going through the parking lot. And um, I got into the, I got into the operating room. Four doctors, and they basically said to me, "Mr. Jincola, uh, please allow us to do what we need to do. We're going to communicate with you." So anyway, next thing you know, I said, Mr. Jincola. We got it, and I'm like, "Okay." Meanwhile, you got you got your arms out to the side like this. You feel it's numb because they froze it, but you feel the blood coming down your arm. I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but this is the moment what you're going through. And you're like, This is real, man. This is real. You know, you got it. This is real. It's real stuff. You know, blood's going down my arm and they got my arm out like this. And the doctors are doing what they have to do. And he said, Mr. Jincola, we got it by 10 minutes. And I'm like, what happened? He says, your widow maker was hundred percent blocked. Went on to explain that that artery runs from the top of the heart to the bottom of the heart, pumps the blood through. And if that artery is blocked, you're done. Massive heart attack right there. They found out I had another artery that was 80%. So they put two stents in my Widowmaker. They put one stent in my, um, I can't remember what it was called, forgive me, but another, they put a stent in there. They didn't need to, but they said, we don't want you back. They said they were gonna keep me in Hamilton for four days. That night for after, sur- after the surgery, I remember sitting in my room and I grabbed my phone and I was connected to all these wires and I knew people were, didn't know what the heck was going on. And I went live on Facebook and I, I, I had about 3,300 people come on, 3,300 people came on. And I told everybody, I said, guys, I had a heart attack. This is what happened. And people, it was, it was crazy. It's crazy. Next thing you know, 91.7 is saying a prayer for me on the radio and 97 rock. And I'm just sitting there going, yeah, forgive me. I just remember how blessed I was, bro. Because all I wanted to do with my life was to be a part of people's life and help change their life. I wanted to leave a legacy. And on that day. I remember saying, and you believe in what you believe in. I remember saying, God, I know I'm on the right path and I did the right thing because I see how people are around me and the love that I'm getting. And uh, it's a great thing. And um, doctors sporadically came in during the night. And the first doctor came in and said, we beat it by 10 minutes, Mr. Jincola. your heart is looking great. Mm -hmm. The next doctor came in and. That was at 10 something in the morning. Two in the morning, the next doctor came in. Mr. Jincola, we beat it by 10 minutes. Your ECGs are looking fantastic. Third doctor came in at six something in the morning. Mr. Jincola, your ECGs are amazing. I'm so glad we beat it by 10 minutes. Fourth doctor came in at 10:40 in the morning and said, Mr. Jincola, I'm a huge fan of yours. And I said, Oh wow, young. All doctors are all young. They were all looked like they were 10 years old, all little doogie houses. <laughs> Honestly, and um, he came up to me and he said to me, I went to an Argo game and you threw your wristband up and I almost caught it. My dad put his hand out and somebody lunged in front of me and grabbed it. Ugh. And he said, I was a really huge fan of yours. You know, and he, I said, oh, my God, I said, you give me some good news. I'll sign you some cards. He says, well, I expect some cards that and I said, well, what is it? Number one, you're going back to St. Catharines today. Your heart is remarkable. We cannot get over the strength of your heart. And that's attributes to all the years you being an athlete in your training. He said, also, we think you may get a full recovery. We won't know until we do the ultrasound. I said, thank you so much. And um, I said, I have to ask you though, you keep saying about this 10 minute thing. You go, Mr. Jincola, Mr. if it would have went 10 minutes more, you would have had a massive heart attack. You would have died on the table. And I was like, oh my God. That's what you guys mean. So since then, May the 20th, I had a heart attack, COVID. My my dad's sister died in October. My dad died December 17th. My uncle, his brother just died last week, another two months later. Then my wife got COVID. My daughter got COVID. And then I got COVID. To say resiliency, to be resilient in this, I don't know. I just know that I'm here for a reason, without question. And the fact that I'm still here, sitting in front of you and doing this, call you a friend, and thank you for this opportunity, brother. I can't say it enough, man. I can't say it enough.
0: You know, I'll, I'll, my the gratitude, like, I'm just extremely grateful. I'm grateful that you and I are connected in life. Um, and we me had too, that brother. opportunity to meet, I think, uh, you know, it was meant to be. And yeah. as you describe your story, uh, gee, <laughs> I'm getting emotional too, man. Don't get, don't get me started. Yeah. But I, I, when you were describing those events and I, and I'm remembering them, like not as vividly as you, you had obviously, Different perspective, but I was watching it from the lens of how you were sharing it on social media and your stories and your posts. And even when we talked quickly on, on, um, we did an IG live together briefly. Yeah. As well. And, you know, it's, it's still like I'm remembering those moments and I'm just like, wow. Like, and I kind of, I was concerned. I was like, and many, you know, our common friend, we have, a Melissa, we have Melissa as well. There's like uh, Mizuka who was like concerned and yeah. we're talking, we're trying to figure out, okay, what's going on. And, and all the prayers were just like, we were just sending you prayers, all different faiths and everything, just going at it, sending it like, we're just sending them towards you. And, you know, when I was thinking about it, when you were saying that the doctor said it was, you know, probably it was thanks to your years as an athlete, They have made your heart strong. But what I believe as well is that your love, your compassion for others has kept your heart strong and has always been strong. And that's what I believe as well is a huge factor uh, uh, because when you have a drive like you do, nothing will stop you, man. Nothing will stop you. When you have a mission, no matter what it is, your body's going to fight everything possible internally and emotionally in the head between the ears to make a difference continue making that impact man and and everything but to see you continuing here today you know following everything's been going on and seriously man i I said it and i'll say it again my condolences and thank
1: you buddy and for you you know
0: and then i you know the stories you share and it's heartwarming and touching and it makes you realize that you can't take things for granted in life and the things we do take for granted like take us take us take take a step back enjoy them you know Lately, in the past few months, there's stuff right now as we record this podcast, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in our lives right now uh, where we're facing the possibility of being forced out of our home yeah, uh, because uh, of a desire to sell because of the market. And anyways, we're scrambling right now. We don't know what's happening. Uh, so by the time, folks, you listen to this episode we might know the fate of, of our living situation. Uh, but um, what matters most is like your family, your kids. I have two girls and you know, my wife and you, know, you just look at them and you enjoy them. You appreciate that. I mean, my kids are, are young and I am like, I don't want to miss a day. I don't want to miss a day. And yeah. like being a, being a fit pro being home all day. It's like, take advantage of that. I think what really breaks my heart sometimes, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm, 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 I'm how would I, I, am innocent in all this. Like, I, I do too sometimes want to have my alone time because I see sometimes, you know, in the pandemic, we have our kids home, but then people like saying, oh, I can't get away from my kids. I can't be with your kids. This is an opportunity to be with your kids. Cause the time you have now, is not that it's time. You're not going to get back. How I say it, time is the only currency that, that can never come back to us.
1: Yeah. Money can, yeah.
0: but not time. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I'm serious. So, You, and I hope the listeners feel inspired to pursue their dreams, to make change, to create huge impact in their communities, the way you have done, you know, through football, through BTO performance and through your story and through your journey in the past year alone, you know, just to do amazing things and to create that masterpiece that's um, waiting for them to create. Absolutely. Um, Now, I'm going to, we're going to want a couple of more things, couple more questions before we end. Yeah. I want to know rapid fire questions. I like, I'm kind of rapid fire. Might be slow fire. Who knows? Yeah. 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 All right. What was your, what would be, or what was your favorite city to play in?
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Well, can I give you two or no?
0: You g- give me two, I I give want, I, two but, cities. Give me two cities. So,
1: like to play in like, uh, as in like any city, like, even if it was a home or away game or, or where I played, because I played for a number of teams.
0: Okay. when uh, Home or away, when, a home or away game, which when you're traveling, when you're on a away game, no matter what team you're with, what was your favorite okay. team to play in? Even if you're so a home.
1: I am, for me, I mean, Toronto gave me the opportunity to play. And I had, especially in 99, I had the year of my life. So first and foremost, I would say the Toronto Argonauts um if i had to pick a place to play and live one of the places i absolutely adored playing and i and i played there and i lived there for a year when i played with the bc lions i mean it was so true what they said you know in uh in the summer it's the only place on the planet where you can ski down the mountain and at the beach at the bottom you know what i mean like literally and it was literally like that you know um as far as atmosphere Man, uh, I love Montreal. I love Good answer. playing Montreal at McGill Stadium. Oh, dude, you couldn't you – couldn't, I mean, you were constantly with the sign language on the sidelines because you couldn't hear a guy who was standing a foot beside you. Like it was insane. But the other two cities I really loved playing into was also Winnipeg and Saskatchewan because, you know, there was no Winnipeg Jets, if I remember correctly, and that's all they really had for, 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 for professional teams was CFL yeah. so those cities were insane when it came to you were a legend in, that, in, in those cities I mean <laughs> they knew who you were I remember how many times I go to Subway to get something to eat and they knew exactly who I was and hey I'll buy you a sub and I'm like well I play for Toronto though and they're like does it matter oh my god CFL you know I'm like oh that's so cool so hopefully that answers your question you know well, it's kind of a
0: hey you know what you know what as long as Montreal wasn't that answer I'm happy <laughs>
1: <laughs> Montreal for sure brother best best environment really honestly
0: oh gosh when I remember when I went to, when I checked them out uh when I went to, I forgot who it was I don't know if it was against Toronto I think it was because yeah. I, I was with I was with my wife my wife is from Toronto I'm from Montreal yeah. we met when she was going to school in Montreal and I yeah. went to that game and I think it was against the Argonauts and dude let me just tell you you're right it's the atmosphere and just walking oh. up the hill we walked up the hill so we came up from the base of the, the mountain yeah, yeah. and walking yeah. up yeah, Dude, it's just like so amazing. It just open yep. space. You know, I mean, I'm a hockey guy too. So get me to yep. the bell center anytime I used to watch, but it was just a different atmosphere. And yeah, you're right. I mean, even at that time I was watching, At uh, uh, that time when you were playing Montreal, they were yeah. on fire. They were on <laughs> fire.
1: Yeah, so, man. We were staying at a hotel, de park right around the corner, right, right near McGill, right on the corner. And we walked to the stadium.
0: Oh yeah. No, we it's, really- and, and, you go and you walk the streets, you go to the, the night, the nightlife in Montreal, I'll tell you this, it's Saint after Catherine. living here for St. Catherine street, St. Lawrence street, Boston, uh, yeah. uh yeah. Boulevard, and even like Crescent street, you go yep. there, nothing like it. I'll tell you, like nah, maybe not the other cities I haven't been to, but yeah. I've been living in Toronto, like in Toronto and greater Toronto area for about 10 years now, or less, yeah. almost 10 years. Nothing like it, seriously. No, nah. no, no. Yeah no, Ugh, gosh. <laughs> all right, and I, I I love the red, white, and blue. By the way, I love the I love the all so you know, yeah, I gotta go with that. And, Absolutely, and ben,
1: brother.
0: Ben Cahuna, man, jeez, what a yep. team. Yeah, what a team. Now, we're we're being a fit pros. We all have a favorite exercise. Yeah. If you had a choice, what would what would be the workout you would give to your your clients? If you had, and it would be one exercise, what would be that one exercise? One exercise. Them? One exercise. Holy what crap! Do fifty reps of
1: any any piece of equipment.
0: Anything, anything. You say okay today for the next half hour. This is all we're going to do. Oh
1: my god. I mean, it's going to sound crazy because I'm a, I'm a huge equalizer, Mark Liebert fan, massive.
0: Same here. <laughs> I love
1: my TRX without question. Uh, no question about that. Um, but I have to say, it would be two things. I have to say two things. I have to. I love doing sled work. There's different kinds of sled work that you can do. I love the sleds for mm-hmm. building power, You know, your cardio, your endurance. I love doing stuff with the sleds. Um, and I think the other one is I really love boxing. I'm not a professional boxer by any means. I love teaching it in class, I love hitting the hand pads, I love having my boxing classes. I incorporate the medicine balls and everything. Um, I, again you talk about 50 reps and exercise. I mean, holy cow, like the EQ bars. I love doing the pull-ups, I love those pull-ups, man, and just the push-ups with the EQ bars. The oh my god, I mean, there's so many exercises. I just love the TRX. I mean, I love you know single leg lunges i mean like i stuff that i mean man that's a tough question bro
0: it is it is and you should see when i design my workouts i always gravitate towards the burpee no
1: (laughs) no the burpees are phenomenal too i mean one of the best exercises you can do to get your heart rate up
0: did you i ever i don't know if you ever if you had a chance to check it out i did do a create a design a program and i think it already exists but i didn't know this till after but yeah. it was called build a burpee workout, and I do. I was I, I did maybe fifteen reps of yeah. each move component of a burpee, including yeah. a push up, the plank, every well, plank with thirty seconds, and doing uh, what we call um, uh, the man maker burpees, which is inc- incorporates dumbbells.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I love I love that exercise, all the components. But if there's one move I would do, it would be the break dancer.
1: Oh, I saw dancing. you do that one. Yeah, that was yeah. cool. I saw you I do it, it. that new thing.
0: Yeah, because it's it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. But I I would do a toss up between that and the uh, and the uh, and the burpee. But hey, any EQ work, you know. And for those of you like listening right now, in my I'm in my uh, fitness space, and I got a bunch of equalizers, Libra Fitness stuff. Um, a little shameless plug here. If you want a discount, go uh, uh, fitness.com, Enter coupon code. Coach Joseph, Joseph with an F will get you 20% off. And they have just got new equipment. They got bands, they got uh, mini bands. So, uh, oh man, yeah. Okay, I'll take that. I mean, I'll, I'll take those two. I'll take whatever it is. I mean, just having fun with it. All right. Okay, dude, so Dan. Yeah, buddy. This has been a pleasure and I hope one day, one day, not hopefully, but we'll set it up again. We'll have another conversation. Uh, Anytime, brother. we'll share some stories and we'll touch, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people here would want to know what's going on with you, uh, uh, soon, like down the road, um, just to get more inspiration and yeah. you keep it up because also I want to talk about, you have also another started something called give the boot to PTS as well. So, yeah. um, I want to talk about too, be, uh, too, and also your, 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 your background, your like just support for mental health awareness. So definitely, definitely. We're going to have to have you back on.
1: You um, let me if, know, buddy. I'm in 150%, bro. You just gosh. let me know.
0: All right. And we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna drive our listeners like crazy. We're gonna make them like huge fans, you know. We're gonna
1: absolutely, yeah, no, buddy.
0: We're gonna fire up the world. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make people lit yeah, up, we're gonna fire them up to make impacts. Now, how can people reach you if they want to connect with you? What what's the best way?
1: Well, you know what? I mean, I'm a big social media guy, so either on Instagram, I mean they're gonna see this. So either on Instagram, Facebook, those are two of the best biggest things. Um also they can reach me at simple just dialing me out 289 296 9488 They can hit me up. That's my business number for uh for the studio. Uh holy moly. Yeah, we know some ways people usually just they get me that way. You know, the mm-hmm. website is bto That's all got to be done up because I've been so busy with everything else. Facebook for sure, hundred percent Uh Instagram for sure. The number I gave you and my uh email. It's uh Dan. Christina, C H R I S T I N A, Sky, S K Y, at hotmail.com. Dan, Christina, Sky, at hotmail.com. So they can hit me up
0: on me too. So, uh, folks, you heard that. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll even put the the Instagram and Facebook handles in the show notes. Follow Dan, like him, and uh, you'll get a dose of inspiration, positivity, resilience, resilience, because we all need that now more than ever. And build that community. And I hope it inspires you to be that one. We're all unique. Share your gift. All right, Dan, thank you very much. Thank you for joining My me pleasure, today. Brother. Excellent. For sure. Thank you. All right. Repeat after me out loud. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. All right, a little louder this time, all right? I want to hear you through the airwaves. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. Yeah, That's right. I'm much better right now. I don't know who exactly said it, but it's a reminder that you are in control of how you respond to the challenges presented to you. When you have a vision or a dream that sets your heart on fire every time you think about it, you only need one person to believe in you. You want to know who that is? It's you. And when belief from others is lacking, fill in that void and grow your self-belief further. Make it stronger. Make it unbreakable. I've seen so many, so many people tap the brakes on the drive to their dreams due to external judgment and opinions. I'm going to tell you something. Keep it between us. Or share it with someone who needs to hear this. People who believe you're embarrassing yourself for pursuing your purpose and dreams are those who regret not going after theirs with the same tenacity and who regret giving up. Sometimes it may be envy, but other times it can be genuine care in either way both cases don't help however when the juice is worth the squeeze only you can feel it deep down and understand that with risk comes one of three one of three blessings success great opportunities for growth and learning or both All right, my friends, that is it for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I hope it filled you up with hope. And if you were thinking of giving up, I I just hope it made you think again and find opportunity in the challenges. And if if it resonated with you, if it hit your soul, please take the time. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please make your way to the show page and leave a five-star rating and review. You know, I actually read the reviews and I, I take them to heart and I use them to make the show even better, to cater it for you. I always want to be a teacher for you. I want to coach you. I want to be a lighthouse. And you got to let me know if I'm on the right track for that. And if you know somebody who needs to hear this show, please share it with them. Send them the link, text message, email. Just let them know that they got to listen to this episode and listen to Dan's story. You have wonderful and unique gifts and dreams to share with the world. Be that one. Be that one to make that change in the lives around you. And remember, as always, to live every day with joy, curiosity, and passion.